Praise the Lord. How we doing, Philip? Okay, good deal. Well, I'll just comment a little bit first. Then I want to show you a video of an interview I did with Lee Short, the missionary there. I have other videos, but uh, we didn't have time to upload those that show the facility and all that. But uh, it was uh, a trip to remember. There were probably, I'd say, about 40 people there. Uh, one little girl was the only child that was there granddaughter of one of the pastors and they came from various places in Mexico uh, they came from Chiapas which is a very poor area more of the south and some from the Puerto Vallarta area but then an area a state called Nayarit and it's north of Jalisco Jalisco goes from Puerto Vallarta all the way inland through Guadalajara and then Aguas Calientes is north of Guadalajara in a state called Aguas Calientes. But uh, anyway, they came from, I think there might have been one couple from Guadalajara. Then uh, they came from as far as Tijuana. Tijuana is just across the border from uh, San Diego, California. And there were like, I don't know, eight people, maybe eight pastors from Tijuana area. And I'm telling you, they had some stories. Uh, Lee had them all write their testimonies because the ones up in Tijuana, most of them used to be in the drug cartel and or the cartel, not just drugs. But some did human trafficking and they trafficked. Uh, one was a coyote, uh, he and his wife together. They would take the Mexicans across the border illegally and such. And uh, one, we called him the Commandante. Uh, he was an older man, and he's pretty stout. Kind of reminded me of Peck a little bit, Peck Bowes. But uh, he, he said a few things, but he wouldn't talk in any detail at all about what he had been a part of. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the cartel is very violent. And Mexico, I always thought, well, this would be the easiest place to bring people. And when I take them to Guadalajara or to Aguas Calientes, it seems like it is. But I got around Lee, and he started showing me things and talking about things. And, and basically, it's a treacherous place, treacherous nation. And some of the other countries are just as bad. Guatemala's where the MS-13 gangs come out of and different places. I've been in several of those places, you know. And I'd, I knew I'd prophesied over cartel members before and such, but I never had like eight who were delivered out of the cartel <laughs> in my services before, you know, that were preachers and pastors. And, uh, you know, they're just wonderful people, you know. It's amazing the work that God did in their lives just tremendous and Lee and his wife have paid a dear price to have that ministry down there and he has more land I took pictures of more land I didn't know if Dave was going to get back in here pretty quickly I should have told him count the offerings after church or something 
but uh, I don't want him to miss the interview I'm going to have. Uh, Zach, go in there and tell Dave and Sherman to come on as quickly as they can so they won't miss the interview. Tell them Lucia will help with the money after. I don't want them to miss the interview. But uh, they're just hungry. And I ministered like I always do. I make them laugh. I make them cry. Uh, just sharing my heart. And I was, of course, praying for them. That's what they wanted. They wanted impartation. They wanted the power of God released in their lives. And the gifts, that was what it was about. It was about ministering about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That was my main reason to be there. And... Uh, it's just remarkable how hungry somebody can be, you know. And they would just endure. And it was hot. I'm telling you, it was in the 90s. And it was humid. It was humid like New Orleans or Miami. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, you break out in the sweat just standing outside for five minutes. But uh, when I ministered, I ministered with all my heart and all my clothes down to the bone, were soaked in sweat. I'd never sweated that much ministering before to where I had to actually peel my clothes off and go take a shower and put on clean clothes to go talk to anybody after. But uh, it was just so intense. Uh, one of the pastors from the Chiapas area, which is a very poor, poor area, uh, and, of course, these pastors' churches were hurt from COVID. Mexico got hit really hard, and uh, they lost several of their attenders, and, and they're just hanging in there by a thread. But uh, this one pastor, and it's funny how tall and big I feel when I go down there. You know, there's not too many that are taller than me around there, but most of those pastors were short. One little guy, he hung around me a lot, and his name was uh, Eugenio. And I called Eugenio the Danny DeVito of the pastor's conference. Because he laughed like him, he looked like him, he was short like him. He just kind of liked that, you know. He, he was a lot of fun. But he loved to cook, too. He made my breakfast a couple of mornings. But uh, they, uh, they just were very loving people. And one of them, he said he ate, but there was a mango grove right behind Lee's property. And they picked a bunch of mangoes, and one of them said that he had ate 10 mangoes before we went somewhere. I said, man, I said, you're going to start sweating yellow and orange because uh, of the ripe mangoes, uh, but they were delicious. But uh, this one man, though, a little short guy, real thin, uh, from Chiapas, he had his wife there, his granddaughter, and he had two girls that were, uh, one was 22 and one was, I think, 15 maybe, uh, that was with them. They had had those girls in the home for seven years, along with the other sister, but she got married, who was 19 now. Uh, but the, the mother had either died or run off, got on drugs, and the father left, and so they were uh, raised basically by this pastor. He took those girls into his home, 
And these girls would smile at me, you know, and nod their head. And, uh, you know, uh, they, uh, they all got their picture made with me, you know. Everybody would want to run up and get their picture made. We had this big banner of the conference. And one of them, the 22-year-old, she smiled and got her picture made, and she patted me right here. And she said, Daddy, like I'm a good daddy. And uh, it was really sweet. But then from Nayarit, there was two girls who their father had run off and their mother had died maybe two or three years ago. And I don't know who they live with. Uh, the one was bigger than the other, and she played the bass guitar. And I kept teasing her. I said, you're a thumper. And she like, what? And, and Lee would interpret, that means you thump those bass strings. And she smiled real big. And then the younger sister was, she was probably 15, 16. She was the drummer. And so they had a good band. The pastor's daughter from that area was the keyboard player. And then they had another kid, you know, like 18, 17, that sang and played the guitar. And they really did well. And uh, anyway, we were sitting in the garden area, we call it. It was basically in the yard. And the table, some tables were set up there and underneath an overhang. And I went down there and sat at those tables. And, and the pastor's daughter turned around. She was a real small girl. And she said, she said, I liked his preach. You know, she was saying she liked my preaching. And she was like 16, 15, 16 years old. And then she looked at me and smiled and says, you adopt me. Like that. She wanted me to adopt her. She didn't have any parents, you know. So I said, okay. But, you know, that's not that easy. I was just saying, well, that would be sweet and nice. You know, but uh, it was really uh, a precious time because when I would pray over them, I would prophesy. I would just look at them. I'd start telling them things the Lord was showing me. And they'd just break down and cry like babies. And the one big girl, she just put her arms around my neck and hugged it and buried her face in my chest. It didn't matter. I was already sweated through my clothes. <laughs> so <laughs> it wasn't going to affect it. But uh, they they all just cried, even the pastors, you know. There's a lot of brokenness out there. And I'm going to tell you, by the word of the Lord, I believe this ladies' conference, this uh, women's conference this year, will be a time of great healing and a lot of broken-hearted people are going to come and receive a word from God and get touched. And uh, So we get ready to show a video there. Dennis, go ahead and roll that. This is an interview with Lee Short. Sorry for the camera work. 
let you see the top of their heads. It was. It rained a lot while I was there. You know, everywhere I go preach, it rains. Not, not even one place that I've been preaching doesn't rain. It came up a storm the first night. First night I was there, it rained a lot. I apologize for the shoddy camera work. Uh, I sure thought I had his whole face in there, but then I got to looking at him instead of my phone, and uh, I'm just going to have to take the cameraman with me next time uh, that can take better videos than I do. But you heard him, and uh, his wife will not return there at any time because the cartels threatened to kidnap her. And uh, it's too risky for her to go there. See, what they do is if they can kidnap, and there's, there's a lot of kidnapping that goes on and a lot of kidnapping teens. And if they think you got a lot of money or something, you look at the nice facilities you got, and you might think he's loaded. But, you know, you raise money on the mission field and people donate. But uh, they don't like it. They don't like Jesus being there like that. Uh, that particular facility, uh, it, it started, Dave may remember, there, the man that owned the property next door had a flop house in it. He was a truck driver, and, and I think his daughter or son helped him run a house of prostitution out of it next door. Now, it didn't look like that this time. It looked very nice. The guy had retired, evidently. And, and, uh, but they did... I don't know, Dave, if you remember, there was like a little ranchero around the corner that had some animals. And the guy who worked for the Sheraton Hotel chain as one of the big dogs. And he owned that, and, you know, animals, horses, goats, and, and uh, cattle, and so on. And uh, some people came and kidnapped his wife and his, I think it was his daughter, and uh, eventually the FBI came, the CIA, I don't remember who else came down because he was one of the top administrative people in the Sheraton in Mexico. And uh, they came, they did eventually get her back after a couple weeks. But you know, you get abused uh, when you're kidnapped. And uh, the, the daughter, I don't know what happened to her, but... Anyway, they got him back, but then she would not stay with him. So sh she divorced him and moved away. And so, you know, there's a high price for people to live in certain areas. You know, I mean, they pull up with a couple of, boom, you know, big SUVs and guys pile out with masks and guns and grab you and throw you in there and take you away. And then they spend time trying to shake the families down for money. And so... Uh, Lee's wife won't go down there. She just stays home and helps run the home office, and they're raising their grandson. Uh, their son died of cancer, and that was the one that he said got beat up. They were in Hogatepec, where we helped build a church years ago when we were in South Florida. And uh, it was, uh, he had just sold that house, I think, when we started to build. He sold it to some guy I think in the military or something but the cartel tried to rob him of it tried to force him out 
scare him and shoot at him and that kind of thing to try to get him to give up the house that he had there. And so, you know, it's, it's just a, a wild mess is what it is. But, you know, you see in him he has a gentle spirit, but at the same time he's tenacious. <laughs> and he's not giving up any ground. And uh, so, but the people, you know, they, they receive ministry and uh, there's so much. And the culture, you know, plays out a little bit differently than ours does, but uh, they still have a hunger for God. The scripture I want to share with you is Psalm 34 that's kept churning in my spirit on the way home. And I said, well, I'm just going to read this scripture tonight and share a few minutes from this scripture. And I'm going to ask you to think about how you might identify with it. But it's uh, Psalm 34, verse 18 and 19, and you see it on the screen. It says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. And, you know, when you're humble before the Lord, guess what? He's going to save you. And when you have a broken heart, he, well, yeah, go back. To those who have the broken heart, he's near. Those, those people that they'd been crushed and hurt, especially those teenagers that I ministered to that were there on the, on the property, uh, they just, you know, they wept because they felt the love of Jesus. I'll never forget the bass player, you know, she she looked like she she had a wall, you know, up. And uh, I started prophesying to her, telling her about, I knew, you know, by the Spirit, about her mother, her father, all of it. I'd not been told anything. And I looked, I said, look at me. She looked at me and I said, God wants you to know he loves you. And I said, I love you too. And when I said those words, she just broke. I mean, just like somebody smashed a vase full of water, you know, with a hammer. And she just opened and broke wide open and cried big old crocodile tears. And, and the Lord touched her, and I prayed for her, and she got slain in the spirit and really ministered to her. But verse 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He will deliver you out of all of your afflictions. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. You know, and that's what I was meditating on all the way back home is that there are many things that people go through. Just think about Lee. You know, he, he had a, a death experience. He said he saw heaven and then he came back. You know, his wife called him back and he came, returned. But he was... You know, when you're stressed out so much that you die from the tension and stress, that's, that's pretty big. It's like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. It says in the scriptures that he sweated like great drops of blood. And that's because the, the, where the lymph nodes are and all that, the capillary, uh, you know, the small veins inside, you know, and face and everything. Uh, they burst 
from the stress and through the pores came droplets of blood so it looked like he was sweating blood and uh, some of you women may understand that if you delivered a baby and you look at your face after and you burst blood vessels you all remember that <laughs> you, you know there's like little vessels all over the face where you know it looked like they burst because of pressure and tension and people get through some terrible situations where they're very stressful but God is there to deliver you out of it I know different ones Melly went through a cancer situation but she's cancer free now and uh, but you know you can think hey if you get cancer you have all kinds of wild thoughts don't you like what would happen if I died you know my husband would be a widower my son would be without a mother and you think things like that you know and then I see these kids that don't have their mother because she died and don't have a father because he ran off and hadn't seen them since they were real little there are many afflictions and these kids come to know Jesus and they find that the church is uh, a family a house of worship but it's a family and you need to feel that way in church you need to feel like you're part of the family and that's that makes a difference and uh, that's why all these little kids around here Seth and Elaine are here tonight and they would call me Pastor Papa and many of them, Chris and Emmerich's kids would call me that too and uh, many of the kids would in the years gone by but uh, it's really a neat experience to have spiritual leaders and people in your your life that you relate to like family and but God delivers you out of all of your afflictions you know you've heard my stories I don't need to rehash them about how I almost died but God brought me back I don't know if my wife was calling me back into reality but I'm sure she was praying many were praying and it's important to have people praying. Uh, somebody, who was it, told me, die, I think, said, were you the one who told me we were really praying for you while you were gone? Well, that's good because Thursday and Friday, was it Friday morning especially? Well, Friday I was ministering. And uh, that was a, a time where there was great impartation. That's when all these people were touched, you know, that, that got the prophetic word that changed them you know probably changed them for the rest of their lives and uh, just you never know the work that God gives you to the degree that it goes and touches others that's a great thing you know uh, I got to know Lee even better and he's pretty intense when he preaches and uh, he said, well, how you doing? I said, well, how are you doing? I said, you you talk a lot. And I talk a lot. But he don't talk me. You know, I mean, we go somewhere and talk to people. And by the way, out of that offering that we collected, one of the things I did, I helped buy a mattress for a pastor's wife that her and her daughter didn't have a mattress to sleep on because the other one just disintegrated. It was horrible. I saw the old one, and 
her husband had left her. You know, I just don't understand a man that has two teenagers, you know, like 18 and 13 years old, 17, whatever, and 13, runs off with a 20-year-old girl from the church and skedaddles and leaves her without money. And they shut off her electric. Uh, and situation was abusive because the business behind was the guy owned the property that rented to her, and he let his son's business siphon electric off of her meter. And so then with this husband gone, she owed 40,000 pesos, which is about $2,000, an electric bill, or else they couldn't have electric. Thank God they had water. You know, they did have water so they could take baths and, and wash and wash food, but they had no refrigerator. So they'd have to go out every day and procure the, the meat if they're going to have any meat or whatever. But she continued to pastor the church that they had. She's been pastoring the church herself for the last year. And it, it amazed me her attitude. Her attitude was good. Uh, she just matter-of-factly told the story, more and more of it to Lee, and I didn't understand a word she was saying hardly. I pick up one or two here along the way, but then he'd tell me, you know, what she was saying. But she told a whole story of it, you know, and it's, it's just, you can't imagine having it that hard. And yet she's still pastoring, still going and leading Bible studies and, and whatnot. Uh, then they took, got me the the main leader of 47 churches that w was there. Uh, he had been an engineer, and uh, he had been had many big ministers tried to hire him because he's very organized. And uh, uh, you wouldn't know it if I told you who it was, but you know one of the main pastors in Miami tried to hire him even. Uh, Pastor Maldonado, but uh, he turned him down, you know. He had work to do. You know, and you see things around big ministries that kind of turn you off. Uh, people just adore, in the Latin culture, they just adore those big preachers. I mean, like the movie stars or rock stars, you know. And, and of course, I never acted that way, although I had a lot of people at one time. You know, but uh, I didn't run around acting like I'd come in with a whole entourage and, you know, and not talk to anybody or, or anything. I just couldn't imagine why people would be like that, but they are. But anyway, he, his treasurer of his ministry came down with prostate cancer and heart problems at the same time, a weak heart. And so uh, his wife, Raquel, she asked if I could go and with Lee and we could lay hands on that man and pray for him, and we did. And to be truthful, I smelled the stench of death, you know, like this man must be close to death. You know, the cancer was really eating away. I don't know if you've been there where you smell death. But uh, we prayed for him, believed, and I'm expecting to hear back good news.
about it. But we kept doing ministry all along the way. And they had a boy that w had grown up in the feeding program named Rafa. And he was about the age of Caleb. You know, I think he was 13. Are you 13? You're 12. So he's just one year older than you. But uh, I noticed he kind of wore the same clothes every day. He's neat. He wasn't out of order. And so I told him, I said, Rafa, you helped Lee a lot. Because he was bustling around. He was setting up all the sound stuff and equipment. He had run up and down the stairs. And he was just doing stuff. He was working in the ministry. And, if, you know, hey, he brought me coffee. or he, Whatever they asked him to do, he was doing it. I said, Monday, we go to Walmart. He looked at me. I said, I'm going to buy you a hat and I think a shirt. And so I took some money and, and we got started. We didn't ever get to the hat. We was looking at the shirt. I thought he'd pick out a sporty T-shirt or something. But no, he wanted to wear shirts like me and Lee were wearing. So we had him pick out a short sleeve and then a long sleeve shirt. And then we picked out a pair of new jeans. We got him some three, you know, one of those three-pack deals of socks. We got him a three-pack deal of underwear. And then we went to the shoe store next to Walmart, and he didn't pick out tennis shoes. I thought for sure he might pick out some like me, some of these sketchers. But Caleb, he went and looked at the dress shoes. Lee said, he, he wants to look good. He wants to look good like the preacher. And so he picked out a pair of dress shoes, and uh, I got those for him. And he just lit up. Uh, they're very appreciative. And then I gave an offering to the lady who is the children's director, and uh, her name was Thelma, and she made us breakfast two or three days that I was there. And she worked hard helping the pastors and helping the ladies do the cooking. She did the, the uh, shopping for the conference because they stayed there. Lee, he bought 40 cots. And they were like the kind you take camping. They were really pretty comfortable for the men. And then he had like 20 air mattresses that he had in another room for the ladies. And so, you know, there was men laying all over those cots, you know, and uh, they, they just appreciated it. And Lee had raised the money and paid for their, their trip wherever they came from. Eight of them had to fly from Tijuana because it'd be a 20-hour drive, you know, from where we were. And others rode the buses. None of them had cars to drive. And so they rode on vans or buses, and, and, uh, but just all so humble and loving. But when you're going through things, just know that God has your back. He had Lee's back the whole time that he's been there. And like I said, he had his life threatened. Uh, you know, they tried to, they wanted him to get out of that property so, you know, people could take the property. He literally had a guy that had worked alongside the government and he wrote articles 
good articles about Lee's ministry, feeding the kids and all. But all along, the guy planted bugs in his house and everything to record everything that was being said. And then he set up a team that was going to kidnap him and try to get money out of it. And uh, Lee found out about it, and he avoided it. But it's just, you just wouldn't believe it. It's crazy stuff. It's like uh, the equalizer or something on the movies or, or something. Or, you know, Taken, you know, uh, the movie and different things. It's just a wild situation. You just don't think about it like that. When Dr. Connie Dawson comes, I'm sure she'll have some stories what it's like being a missionary to China and some things maybe they went through. But you know what? If you don't go through things, you don't have a testimony. A lot, some people don't go through it. They stop and it defeats them. And some die even at earlier ages. But look at this crowd that's here tonight. You have been through many things to attain victories that God has helped you to gain and you're still standing and you're still praying and still believing for the better things. And I believe, like I said, that this coming weekend is going to be a glorious time, a glorious weekend. And then about a month later, we're going to have the CFFI conference and that's going to be another glorious time. We're going to go from faith to faith and glory to glory and we're going to have a, a really good time. But just know the Lord is near when you've been broken hearted and you've been through things that have wounded you. And it's, it's not a time to give up. It's a time to stick it out. Stick like glue and let God do a special work in your life. You know, I could have any one of you get up and give a testimony of how you were delivered from various things and how your families were touched. And it's funny, the the apostle, we called him Apostle Jorge Perillo, uh, his one son's a pastor, the other one's a land developer because his wife who died, her and her siblings were all murdered by the cartel and they were from Nicaragua the the family her family was not Perea, Perea's family I try to say it like a Spanish person but uh, he was married to this gal and they own a lot of land and the name was Mora when your brother comes ask me if they know of some Moras down there that were very wealthy, influential people that were from Managua. And uh, they had, they just, I think, were selling all kinds of stuff. But anyway, they own lots of land in Mexico. And it was just incredible. Businesses, and it was just pretty wild, you know. But the wife's life was sacrificed. And now the grandson is going to inherit everything. You know, but they are developing things, you know, because he's just a kid. So, I mean, anything can happen, and we all got to be prepared. I'm just a little bitty person from Poplar Bluff, Missouri, 
and I'm just glad to be able to be in places where I can be a part of a move of God. And I just want you to stand with me tonight, and we're going to pray. I just got in this afternoon. I'm not going to hold you a long time. I just wanted to especially let you hear Lee's word. And then this scripture had been churning in my spirit. And you hang on for your victory at all times because it's coming. And Lord, we thank you for the promise of God that when we are brokenhearted, you are near. And then, Lord, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but you deliver us out of all of them. Not two of them, but all of them. And Lord, we thank you for what's coming. We thank you for this conference this weekend. We've been anticipating and waiting. And now, Lord, there are going to be many people come that are going to receive the word of the Lord. They're going to receive a touch from heaven. And they're going to, many will be healed. And we thank you, Lord. We pray for protection over all the speakers and over all the leaders. And that everything comes together well. And that it all is caused to work together for good. Because we love you and we're called according to your purpose and to your plan. And be with us as this unfolds as we come into this weekend. And we give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to release you. It's still 7.15 anyway. So uh, God bless you. Come to as much of this conference as you can.